And today we are talking about um, this commandment, do not steal. We have been um, looking through a series um, which we've entitled Beyond the Law. And so really the reason we're looking through all of these is because, not just because we want to know what should we not be doing, um, what are the rules that we need to be following, but rather we want to know who the God is behind the commandments. We want to understand his character. We want to understand why he is the way he is and why he asks us to act the way that he does. And so we're going to look a little bit in some more detail today around this commandment, do not steal, a bit more about what that's says about God and what it says about how we should live. Um, Before we do that, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are generous. I thank you, God, that you say in your scriptures in Romans 8 that he who gave even his son, what else would he give for us, those he loves? Jesus, I pray that today you could be generous with us. You could be generous with your voice generous with your teaching, generous with your grace when we realize that we've fallen short. And I pray, God, that you would speak and that we would hear. In your name, amen. Amen. Um, I am aware there is no, like, Sunday school or anything like that today. Um, Jesus said, let the children come to me. Um, I am not better than Jesus, so you don't need to keep your children quiet. You don't need to stop them from running running around. I will not be distracted or upset. It's fine. Um, Let them play. Let them scream. Let them cry. We will survive. Um, I'm sorry if you're at home in a very small living room with many children, um, and I've caused much difficulty for you there, but I want to permission it anyway, because we are a family. This is not a lecture. We're discovering something of God together. So let's, let's treat this like a living room. Um, let's chat together. Let's discuss together. Let's do it like family. Um, I want to, um, I, I thought when I got this passage, um, do not steal, I thought, is this like the easiest sermon I'm ever going to have to give? Um, it kind of says what it does on the tin. Um, don't steal things. Great. Most people here generally are not professional thieves. I think we'll be okay. Let's go home and have our, our roast chicken. Um, but then I, I, I looked through some of the other commandments, and there's another commandment, which is the 10th one, just as a bit of spoilers, if you're, not, you know, if you're here in a couple weeks' time. The 10th commandment says not to cover. Um, and coveting is around, you know, being jealous and envious of what the other people around you have and desiring the things that other people have. So that made me think, I was like, oh, hang on a second. Like, why is God talking twice in the Ten Commandments, a very limited list already, of um, desiring other people's things? And so I thought, well, maybe, maybe this commandment of do not steal is actually talking about something slightly different than just desiring what other people have. Does that make sense, that track? Um, So maybe it talks about something deeper than that. And I think some of the other passages that we've got here um, give us a bit of a clue to that, a bit bit of the the God behind the law. What is it that he's trying to say? How does he want us to act? And what does this commandment of do not steal have to say about our lives and his character? Um, And so I've got three very quick points from the passages that we've read just now that I want to talk about, which I think tell us a bit about how we're supposed to act and why this commandment's important, but also what it tells us about God and our relationship with him. So the first point that I want to make is that stealing is not about taking from another person. Stealing is about taking control from God. Stealing isn't about taking from another person, it's about taking control from God. 
Um, the reason I say that is because in Psalm 24, start of Psalm 24, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Hebrews 2 verse 10 says, everything belongs to God and all things were created by his power. So, at the very beginning, when we look at this passage, it says, do not steal. Immediately we think, you know, have I swiped 10 pounds from my mum's purse when I was a little bit younger? Or, you know, have I, have I made some like dodgy transactions at work or something like that? I actually would go further and say, it's not at all about what you're doing to, your, to or with your fellow man, woman, person. Rather, it's about your relationship with God. Because when we steal, when we take things that don't belong to us, we're not just offending other people. We are taking from God. Because it's his. Every pound in your wallet and bank account, every piece of property you own, it actually belongs to the Lord. I'm sorry to tell you, we are all paupers. None of us own anything. It all belongs to the Lord. So then what does it have to do with control? Well, we read a little bit about it in that second, that, the main passage, as Caroline um, said, um, where it talks about the character of God and who he is. Um, and one of the names that is attributed to God in the Old Testament is Jehovah Jireh. It's given to him in Genesis 22 by Abraham when um, Jesus replaces his son as a sacrifice with a ram at the top of a mountain. And Jehovah Jireh means literally, he is the Lord who provides. And it's become a, it, we, we've learned that that is a central characteristic of who God is. He is a God who wants to and desires to provide for us, for his people. He wants to give us all that we need. He wants to give us food to eat, a place to sleep, security, and that that is something that belongs to him and is, is his to control. But society doesn't, doesn't say that. It doesn't say God's job is to provide for us. What it says is that we need to work for what we earn. We need to be able to pay our bills. We need to have a bit of a nest egg to sit on in case there's an emergency. Maybe we chuck a little bit to charity to make ourselves feel good. But really, it's about how can we pull ourselves up and make sure that we can make something of ourselves. But the character of God is that he will provide. So going back to this commandment, when it says, do not steal, if we are actually stealing from God and his desire is to be someone who provides for us, what we're actually doing is it's not about the material. What it is about is the relationship that we have with him. We don't trust that he will be the person who will provide for us. We don't trust in his character as a provider. If we feel we need to steal, if we feel we need to line our own pockets, if we feel like we need to provide for ourselves, we don't have enough, we need to take from somewhere else, we're saying more about how we view God than we are about our ability to earn or our ability to provide. Does that make sense? Sorry, I was raised in the Pentecostal church. If no one gives me even a nod, I'll just keep on saying the same thing over and over again. So thank you. Uh, that, thank you. Uh, whoever gave me an amen. I, I love you. Lord, Blessings of the Lord be upon you. And so, so that's my first point. It's not, it's not about stealing from man. It's about our relationship with God. And I think the, se the second point I want to, to make is that God cares about how we handle our money. He cares about how we handle our money. We read about it. We read in Matthew, the, the, the main passage again, as Caroline called it. Let me read a bit of it again for you because I think it's really powerful. Just the first part um, says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's interesting that right at the start of that passage, it says that on earth, there are thieves who break in and steal. This is a reality. We are imperfect people. The world is full of broken people. There will be thieves. But in heaven, there is no theft. There is no theft. And so stealing as a need or a desire is inherently not kingdom-minded. We don't see it in the culture of heaven. Rather, a kingdom mindset is to store your treasures in heaven. So when I read this passage about like, you know, the radical provision of God, how he'll give us everything he needs, um, the thing that stuck out to me is that very first verse where it says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, and then later on, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And I'm like, what on earth does that look like? What, how do you store a treasure in heaven? Is there like a special bank? where like that transfers over to the spiritual realm. Um, I don't really know. And, and I had a look, and Jesus talks about it in another part of the Bible. A little bit further on in Matthew, I won't read the whole passage for you, but in Matthew 19, there's this part of the Bible where a, a man comes to Jesus, and he says, teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? He's like, what do I need to have relationship with God? What do I need to be with you in the kingdom of God for all eternity? And Jesus replies, Basically, with the Ten Commandments, he says, you know, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't kill people. Um, the, the law that the man probably already knew. And the man was like, yeah, I get that, but it doesn't feel like enough. What else? Is there anything else I need to do? And Jesus says, well, if you want to be perfect, again, this is the, the Ben abridged version, so forgive me if this isn't word for word accurate. Um, it says, if you want to be perfect, if you want to embody the spirit of God, if you want to understand his character, if you want to be perfect, if you want to embody that culture of heaven, sell everything you own, give it to the needy, and then come and follow me. So we see there's, there's some kind of relationship here between our relationship with God and our relationship with money that has an impact there's some kind of difference. There's something that's going on here. And the man in that story, he goes away sad because he was wealthy. And he's like, the cost is too much. I can't, I can't sell everything. And so there's this intrinsic link between this idea of generosity and giving away and, and selling, our, selling our possessions and giving it away and our relationship with Jesus. And I think that's going to be my third point. So again, first of all, Stealing isn't about what we do to one another. It's about our relationship with God. Second of all, God cares about what we do with our money. And third of all, generosity brings God joy. There's another passage in 2 Corinthians, um, which I'll read to you really briefly. Um, it says this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. If the commandment do not steal is actually about our relationship with God and how we view him, 
then the way that we come against the damaging that relationship is to come at it in a different spirit. Rather than stealing and taking from others, it's to give with generosity because God loves a cheerful giver. And again, giving is never going to be a get-rich-quick scheme. I know some, some Christians have preached, you know, give everything, God will give it all back. Like, that's not the way it works. If you're giving because you're like, you know, God will give it back to me, then you're not, you're not really being generous, are you? You're giving selfishly. And this, this passage just read, it's about without compulsion. It's, it's with, with joy, finding the joy in giving. That's what brings pleasure to God. So if stealing damages our relationship with Jesus, if that, if that says, I do not trust you, God, then generosity is the remedy. By giving generously, by giving of everything we have, finance, property, time, service, whatever it is, that's how we build up our relationship with God. And so just really briefly in two minutes, there's three things I want to say that I think today we can do. We can do to, to exemplify what it means to live a kingdom culture in our church and in our lives now that comes against this idea of theft, that, that really embodies the spirit of do not steal. That is the person and the character behind the law, beyond the law. So the first is, I think, we can give God back control of our lives. And I think in particular, our finances. Do we trust God as a provider, as we read in that second passage? Do we actually believe what the Bible says when it says, he will clothe us, he will give us food to eat, he will give us shelter? Do we actually believe that? Or do we feel like we need to work, we need to do something to earn it? I remember... Um, very briefly, when I was in university, I, walked, I was walking at Emma home, dropped her off at home. It was late at night. And as I was walking back to my house, I went past an ATM and I popped my card in. I was like, I'll just check my balance. I'm a student, never know how much is in the account really. And I checked and some bills had come out early and I was about 150 pounds into my unplanned overdraft. I was like, this is a nightmare for me as a student. And that's going to cost me even more money being in my unplanned overdraft. Um, and I realized there was literally nothing I could do to change the situation. And so as I was walking home, I just prayed. I said, God, I just need you to take care of this because there's nothing I can do. And then I fell asleep and forgot about it. And I woke, I woke up the next morning and my friend Martin was like, hey, do you want to meet for a coffee? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Love hanging out with you, Martin. And it was only on the way to the coffee did I remember, not only did I have no money in my bank account, I owed the bank about 150 pounds. And I sat down with Martin. I was like, I don't know what to do. Unfortunately, he was like, let me buy you a coffee. And I was like, praise the Lord for Martin. He is generous. And then as we drank our coffee, he pulled out an envelope and gave it to me. And he said, hey, Ben, I was just praying to God this morning and I felt like he told me to give this to you. And I opened it and I had 150 pounds in it, which is the exact amount I needed to clear my unplanned overdraft. And that for me was a moment where I'm like, oh, like what it says in the passages where God will take care of us and he will provide is actually true. Because I didn't, I didn't tell anyone that had happened. No one else knew. All I did was pray a simple prayer. It doesn't always work that way. I'm not promising you envelopes through your door or like all your friends to give you lots of money. But what I'm saying is that God is faithful. When he says he will provide for us, he will and can provide for us. The second thing is, so can we give God back control? Can we pray about our finances? Can we give him those things rather than working towards ourselves? Second of all is, can we come at the current times in a different spirit? Niv mentioned it in the prayers. Um, life is hard right now. Bills are going up. Things are costing more in the supermarket. Petrol is extortionate, even though it's got a bit cheaper. I can't believe it, to be honest. It's getting harder and harder and harder to survive. And 
the passage in Ephesians, the thing that I think is really powerful about that, that one-liner where it says, thieves, take up work so you have something to give away, I think tells us something about that kingdom culture, about how we respond as Christians um, to, to the way that the world tells us to live. For the thief, it was, don't just stop stealing. Don't just take up work and earn your money honestly. It was do the opposite. It was instead be generous. And so for us, the question is, is, if you're feeling the pinch, if you're finding it hard, if you're like, it's great that you're telling us to be generous, Ben, but I don't really have the money for it, what would it look like in this moment where it feels hard to give something? To give something, even a little bit. And I, I promise you, you will discover the joy of generosity. I don't promise you that all your problems will be fixed overnight. I don't promise you you'll, you'll win the lottery. But I do promise you, you'll find the joy and the peace that comes in relationship with God when you do that. And then thirdly, and, and, and finally, I think the third thing that we can, we can take away from these passages is to give cheerfully to cheerfully give. And I just, want, I just want to challenge you, if you're in this church and you know, you've got your budget at home and there is no line on your budget sheet for generosity, that you, you don't give away any of your money, either to the church, to charity, to people you know that are doing good things, why don't you go and do that? It brings God joy. It brings him joy, like worshiping him, like prayer. It brings him joy. If you don't know how to do that, please come talk to me at the end. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish shortly. Um, Please come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about how to do that. But we also, if, if you want to give to the church, we use the parish giving scheme. Um, you can find some information about that at the back. That, that, that's just a direct debit. Um, something that me and Emma do is we put some money into a bank account every month that doesn't go anywhere else other than for generosity. And then if people come to us and they're like, and they're like we need help with something, we have it in our budget to be generous. There's lots of really simple things you can do. But I think... What would it look like for us as a church to become a generous church who give cheerfully and with joy, without compulsion, without any expectation of return from God, but because we know it brings him pleasure? So I'm going to pray. I've already spoken for too long. I, f I, f I feel the pressure of the clock. Um, I'm going to pray. Um, and then maybe in that time, in a moment of confession, um, why don't we just bring some of that stuff to God? Bring our pressures, bring the, thing, the times where we've held control, maybe the times where we've intentionally not lived a generous life, where we've not responded to the generosity of Jesus on the cross, and bring that to God, and then let him speak to us about what we need to do next. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that throughout history, we have an example of what it looks like to live in your kingdom, in your culture. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us now? Would you show us what it means to not just live a life of do nots, but God instead live a life that actively pursues you, that pursues a kingdom culture, that does things that have an impact in the spiritual realm, God, and show us what that means for us as a church and as individuals to live a life of generosity. In your name, amen. Amen.